You know the song? Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. They're all staring at me. Let's all stand together. It's a Dean Martin song. It's a cool song. Uh, and let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us this morning. Welcome our campuses over in Stevens Point and Appleton as well. Good to have you with us. We are in a series entitled Sex and Marriage. Uh, we've been uh, announcing this ahead of time. If you've been gone and all of a sudden you showed up this morning, you were not aware of said subject and you're not comfortable with said subject, uh, you may leave at any time. We gave a special time last week, but just, just quietly leave. It'll be fine. We'll give you credit. <laughs> credit for the week. <laughs> okay. Uh, some people just don't want to hear about this, don't want their little ones to hear about this. First of all, we do have classes for little ones in the first place. Having said all of that, this is not a graphic talk or presentation. This, <laughs> this is not about how, okay? This is none of that stuff. We're not going to be mentioning body parts and you know, all this stuff. Just what we're talking about is sex and the reason for it and why you should be having it, okay? <clears throat> now, <laughs> let's begin. Last week, we talked about the fundamental reason for sex. We read in 1 Corinthians, the 7th chapter, this is the marriage and sex chapter in the Bible that talks about the fundamental reasons for it in the first place. The Apostle Paul writes these words. But since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. Now, there are many reasons to marry, but sex is the fundamental reason, which is what I pointed out last week. I did not say it was the only reason, all right? There's lots of reasons that people have. The Bible even talks about some other reasons, but the fundamental reason is for sexual fulfillment because Paul says, look, we're having a problem with sexual immorality. Uh, this was 2,000 years ago. We still haven't the same problem, all right? The answer is get married. Then you can have sex till your eyeballs pop out, for heaven's sakes. But people are doing it ahead of time. They're not supposed to be doing it ahead of time. There's all kinds of reasons. We're not going to get into the reasons. But <clears throat> you want the answer to this need is to get married. Oftentimes, Christian churches and pastors and stuff and family organizations over-spiritualize marriage. And they treat sex, they literally say it this way. They say, sex is the reward for marriage. It is not the reward 
all right? It's the reason, all right? People say, well, the reason for marriage is you can have a prayer partner. And you can have wonderful fellowship. And, all, and, and I get that. But I can pray with anybody. I can fellowship with anybody. I can only get naked with one. All right? So while those other elements are in fact there, you have to understand this is the fundamental reason. All right? So he starts out by saying this, and then he continues. Now we'll pick it up in verse 3, where Paul says this. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise the wife to her husband. What he's saying here is that couples are supposed to be sexually active. You're not supposed to not be sexually active. Now we can debate, and we're going to talk next week about the how much and what do you do when there's an imbalance. We'll, we'll get there, okay? That's not today. But fundamentally, you're supposed to be sexually active. Now you all know what active is, right? You know what it means to be physically active? If you exercise once a year, are you physically active? Well, no. If you exercise and work out, you know, for a good 20 minutes, twice a month, is that physically active? No. In the real world, you got to exercise two to three times a week to be physically active. I think you're supposed to be sexually active, though we'll get more into that next week. Now, the question is why? Paul gave us the why. It's the quiet this drive in people for this physical connection. Men and women have it. Now, generally speaking, and it is just generally speaking, some women are as intense about it as men, but generally speaking, it's mostly a man thing. Men have this incredible desire for this physical connection. And just in us, it's just, ah! it just screams in us. Ah! All right? Now, the purpose for marriage is that you quiet that, okay? He goes from, ah, to, uh, all right? <laughs> but it doesn't take long before, uh, ah, and then you got to quiet again. Uh, ah, all right? That's what happens. Well, I don't like it. Then you shouldn't have gotten married, for heaven's sakes. That's the reality of it. I know everybody's over-romanticized this marriage thing. is ooh, you know, Flowers are going to fly around your house every day because you married this dream of your life. And now, that's the fundamental reason to quiet that. And particularly for a Christian man, we want Christian men to succeed. And I'm telling you, I am absolutely convinced, lo these many years, that most women have no idea how loud this is in our heads. They don't, they don't get it. You think you get it. <laughs> you don't get it. All right. This is like, ah, in our heads. If you woman, women truly knew how crazy this made us, you would be more disgusted with us than you are right now. <laughs> it is a big stinking deal. Ah! And now you're a Christian man and you want to honor God and you want to serve God. You need that wife to turn ah, into a, okay? I have Christian women who say, oh, pastor, 
I want to help my husband succeed as a Christian man. What does he need, pastor? Does he, does he need me to pray for him, pastor? Does he need me to lay hands on him, pastor? Does he need me to find spiritual books and encouragement for him? No, what he needs is he needs to get laid. All right, that's what he needs. You want to help your husband be a successful Christian man? You need to lay with the boy. So that, ah, goes, You think I'm kidding? I'm not kidding. It's the one thing that temptation is always there, always pulling on his head, always pulling on. When you quiet that, praise God. All right? He can focus on other things and start thinking about more other spiritual things than that. Now, (laughs) it is stunning to me how many pastors and Christian leaders do not get this. Uh, It's... It's not a major problem, but you would be shocked how big of a problem what I'm about to tell you is. But people who get married and on their wedding night and through the whole hunting whatever, they discover the person they married has absolutely no intention of ever having sex. I know at least seven people personally, some part of this congregation, who that is exactly what happened to them, before I showed up, all right? <laughs> but this is what happened. And then these pastors, God bless them. Look, they're, they're wonderful men. They're trying to serve God. And to a de- great degree, it's not their fault that they're so dumb when it comes to this issue because they don't teach us this in Bible college. When you prepare for ministry, they don't tell you about family stuff. They don't teach about marriage. And ironically, it's one of the biggest, if not the number one issue most pastors deal with. And they don't train us. It's like you, well, actually, actually a good analogy. A lot of you did go to school for stuff you don't do today. <laughs> right? You got your history degree. What kind of job is that? You know what I'm saying? Talk about a worthless degree. Anyway. Oh, come on! What, what? Unless you're going to be a history teacher, what's the point of that degree? It's just so you can get your... It's a BS degree, right? Appropriately mentioned and named. The BS degree. Do the math. All right, so... You do so, and you, have, you're, you get trained and trained and trained, and then you get a new job you're really not trained for at all. That's really kind of what happens to pastors. They don't, I know it was that way with me. Man, when I first started doing this stuff, I was horrible at it. You came to see me with marriage problems, you were doomed. <laughs> 80% of the people, 80, 90% of the people who came to see me ended up in divorce. I'm not kidding. Can you imagine going to a doctor where 90% of the people came out dead? <laughs> this is a problem. Now, generally speaking, men have two responses to things they're not good at. One is to just quit, and, which is perfectly fine. A lot of guys, you're doing something, I hate this, I'm terrible at it. Men generally only want to do things they're good at. It's just the fact of life. Most guys, they start to do something they're terrible at. Most of you guys, what you do for a living today, the reason you do it is because you're good at it. That's the number one reason. Some of you do stuff you're good at, and you don't even like what you do. It's true. You're just really good. You're probably the best guy in the company to do it. You hate it, but it's what you do. 
all right? Uh, so a lot of guys, it, when they're bad at something, they just quit doing it, or because they're bad at it, it motivates them to get good at it. It's really the two responses, all right? Uh, I had the second response. I was so bad at it. I said, I, this is driving me, I want to fix this. Okay, I've always been the kind of guy who wants to get back up on the horse, you know, and I fall off the horse and I get back up, <laughs> I fall off the horse. Pretty soon the horse is saying, why are you bothering? But I keep doing it. <clears throat> and that's how I started learning these things and learning practical wisdom. So these pastors, in their sweet heart, but their pure, unadulterated ignorance, truly believe that once they say, I pronounce you man and wife, that that is when the marriage occurs. It is not. It is not. It has been known for thousands of years of human history, and even legally in a court of law, that a marriage is not a marriage until it is consummated. It's always been this way. But pastors today, they're just, God bless them, it's not their fault, but a lot of them are just dumb as bricks when it comes to this area. And they literally tell people when they come to them with this problem, on their wedding night, they're calling, or their honeymoon, they're calling, and say, man, she, she won't have sex, or he won't. And it goes both ways. And before anybody thinks that I'm picking on women today, I promise you, I get more complaints, probably five to one, from women who say their husbands won't have sex with them. So it goes both ways, all right? But then they will call the pastor and say, they won't have sex. And then the pastor encourages them to get counseling. You don't get counseling. You get an annulment. You stop. You tear it up. It's a do-over. It's not a divorce. won't even go down as a divorce, legally or any other way. This is actually legal law. There's three reasons for a legal, legal annulment. One is you married someone and you didn't know they were crazy. <laughs> Some of you might actually apply for that one. All right? Seriously, that's one of the reasons. You buy them, they're like, and you didn't know it. The second reason is you marry someone and you find out they were already married. And that happens from time to time. That's not a divorce. You don't need to get divorced. You get an annulment. Doesn't count. Rip it up. It's a do-over. The third one is the marriage is not physically consummated. You don't consummate it. You're not married. These pastors who think they make them married because they pronounce don't know what they're talking about. It has never been that way. For thousands of years of even religion, for not only Christianity, but Jewish history. Look at Jewish history. And, and, and what I'm about to tell you is going to be a little shocking, but they, they still, many very conservative Jews still do this to this day. This is what would happen. They get married. And then at some point during the celebration, the bride and the groom go into a room while everybody waits. Now, I can't begin to imagine how disturbing that is, all right? You know, grandma's outside, you know, your cousin, your uncle, uh, come on, boy, get it on, let's go, we got to wrap this up. It's been that way for thousands of years, and in some cultures, it's still that way, and in strict Jewish Hasidic culture, it's still that way to this day. They wait till you did it. Once you did it, now we got a deal. Are you hearing me? This idea that just because a pastor says, hullabah, hullabah, that you're suddenly married and you don't do it, it's not a deal. And in my opinion, you don't go for counseling. You don't drag this thing out. You just rip it up and start all over again. 
And I got, you know, I got two emails in the last two weeks from people uh, outside the church telling me about this problem. And one guy writes to me, he says, man, I, you know, I got married and, you know, she won't have sex with me and, and I've, I've been reading all the right relationship books. I, I read his needs, her needs, and I read the love dare, and I'm like, first of all, you buy my book. Uh, you know, don't buy their books for heaven's sakes. But you don't even buy my stupid book. For heaven's sake, it's not something you need to read in a book. It's not counseling that you need. This is done. It's a do-over. You rip it up. Start over again. And I hope, because I know a lot of pe- people listen to this, this, these messages all over the world. The church has to wake up and catch up to this. This has got to stop. This happens a lot. Not or, you know, not exceptionally, but, but a lot. I mean, it's not like a, a once in a while deal. It's a pretty often deal, and it needs to stop. And I don't know what these pastors are doing during pre-marriage counseling. At some point, you need to have the conversation. Are you looking forward to having sex? Is there any reason you can't have sex? And if they oh, I don't know, then stop. And even if they lie to you, if you find out afterwards they don't want to have sex, you rip it up. This is a do-over. Goodness gracious. And, you know, one guy got mad at me. I got an email. Can't imagine that. <laughs> but one, one guy got mad at me. He said, you know, you said we're supposed to tear it up. But, you know, I waited for like 14 years or something. And finally, she let me have sex with her. And she got pregnant right away. And we got this little baby boy. And I love this baby boy. And I would never give this up. If I listened to you, I wouldn't have this baby boy. I said, now, wait a minute. That's an unfair exaggeration. There's women who've gotten raped who had babies who wouldn't give up those babies for anything in the world. It doesn't mean we say it's okay to go around raping people, all right? The reality is he should not have been stuck in this situation. He shouldn't be stuck in the situation now. <clears throat> all right, going on. Paul continues. He says, the wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. Now, before we get any further, I know there are people who have problems, major relationship problems is why they don't have sex, or major physical problems is why they don't have sex, okay? I'm not talking to you. Now, I said this last service, and no sooner I got off the platform and skipped away, I got a text from someone, yeah, but what if that, I'm not talking to you. Everybody say, not talking to you. Okay? Well, we got this big problem. Not talking to you. Well, this is a horrible situation. Not talking to you. All right? We're just talking normal people. <laughs> not, not that you're abnormal, I said, but normal who don't have the big problem. Most people don't have this major problem where something doesn't work. All right? <clears throat> By the way, we are going to do a, a, a thing on that. Um, uh, we're probably going to do it a special night, probably like the first weekend of June. We've got to set aside a weekend where we're going to have an evening. We're going to get together. And we're just going to address this. What if there's physical problems? And it doesn't mean it has to be major physical problems. At some point, everybody deals with some physical problems at all, even the normal ones, you know. How do you handle this? So it's really open to everybody. <clears throat> what do you do when something's out of whack? Because oftentimes things get out of whack. For some of you, every 28 days, things get out of whack, all right? So we're, we're going to talk about the wackiness. 
I just, I'm not going to do that on a Sunday morning, all right? Even I have, I have some standards. Okay, so. <laughs> now, so the wife is supposed to yield her body to her husband. The husband's supposed to yield his body to his wife. Now, you know, I was going through, because I thought, you know, am I crazy? Because sometimes you just wonder, you know. <laughs> and uh, so I'm looking, look, studying through theologians. It's amazing. Theologians understand this. Even guys have been around for hundreds of years. Oh, they're not around. They're dead now. But I mean, hundreds of years ago, Christian theologians, they wrote about this. They understood this. I found this one theologian by the name of uh, uh, Adam Clark. He was a Methodist theologian 200 years ago. He writes about these verses. Few people at our loss for the meaning here. And the context is sufficiently plain. Some have actually rendered the words, not unaptly, this responsibility to each other, as the matrimonial debt or the conjugal duty. Man, it's been, they've talked about this for thousands of years. Man, in fact, if you watch period movies, you know, the, you know and I like those 1800 things, you know, and Downton Abbey movies, all these kind of things, you know, yeah, I like these period movies and stuff. They often, if you listen, they'll talk, refer to sex, and they always refer to it as, well, you know, one must do their duty. Well, their duty, that's the way they thought of it. Okay, reporting for duty, sir. You know, so, yes, ma'am, reporting for duty. Sergeant, first class. All right, so, it's something everybody understood. This is something you are supposed to do. It is not just supposed to be a reward. All right, now, if you're a big, fat, stinking jerk, I got no help for you. But a lot of it, literally, the only time there is if, if someone's really earned, it's not supposed to be like that. When the moon and the stars are aligned just right and the wind's blowing from the right direction and the angels are singing, oh, then, then they decide to reward the other person. That's not what this is supposed to be. You're supposed to be doing this on a regular basis all the time. It's called your duty. Howdy duty. And they say that the couples are supposed to take care to mutually render this to each other or else alienation of affection will be the infallible consequence. And this in numberless instances has led to adulterous connections. 200 years ago, he's writing about this. We think this is all new. It's not new. Oftentimes, people would fall into affairs and this theologian and many Christians knew there was oftentimes a connection between someone being denied sex and then someone winding up in an affair. You almost never hear this today. No, what happens is someone's starving out their spouse. We don't know what's happening. Eventually, the spouse winds up having an affair. Everybody points at the affair person. Oh, you're bad. You're evil. And they go hug the person who's been, oh, is he so evil? He's so evil. Not knowing she caused this. I always say, ask questions. Find out what was going. It's amazing, amazing how many times I've talked to pastors who've fallen, and there's so many pastors fall into this today. People say, you're aware of this, right? You hear about this all the time, all the time. Oh, what's the matter? Something wrong with these pastors. I'll tell you what's wrong with these pastors. They got some pretty jacked up wives because I've talked to these guys. In fact, in only one instance, instance was there really no excuse. He just was being an idiot. Every other guy I've talked to, you ask them. And it takes a while to get through to them because they're so, I feel so bad about failing. And so I get it, I get it, okay. It's my fault, I get it, I get it. But let me ask you, what was sex like with your wife? What do you mean? How often? I've heard once a year, maybe two times a year, or I had to beg and cry for it 
and she'd put out like every couple of months or so. And then they wonder, gee, the pastor falls into sin. Oh, what a terrible man. What a horrible, by the way, don't do that to people, okay? Don't be quick to condemn. I don't care if he's a pastor. Be nice to people. This destroys their lives. You could have an affair. You don't lose your job unless you're doing it on the job. <laughs> this happens to a pastor. They lose everything. They lose everything. They're done. Most churches, they never have another shot, which I think is ridiculous. But just don't think that person's bad. You need to look in the other direction. What caused this? And according to this guy, this is the cause. He continues to write, in such cases, the wife has to blame herself for the infidelity of her husband and the husband to that of the wife. It's amazing how many Christians do this to each other. You got one husband or wife. Oh, they're so spiritual. Oh, oh everybody loves this. Oh, they seem so holy and stuff. They're starving out their other half. The other half eventually, because they're in such a horrible place, wind up having an affair. Oh, everybody hates that person. And they go give hugs and kisses to the other person. It's a bunch of un... It's just nonsense. And we call this stuff out. When you are refusing to have sex with your spouse, we're not having some problem. I'm talking, you're, just, you're just being a jerk. You don't think you're being a jerk, but you are being a jerk. This is on you. You know, for years, churches used to excommunicate people who wouldn't fulfill their marital duties. Our church is getting a lot st st stiffer on this. We just excommunicated a guy, a man in our church. Number one charge against him, he refused to have sex with his wife. We ain't playing this game. You're out of here. Boy, and everybody, oh, boy, he's such a nice guy, and he really loves Jesus. So, yeah, oh, yeah, they're so spiritual, these people. We don't tolerate this nonsense. In my opinion, this is fundamental grounds for divorce. Now, everybody's got their reasons for what they accept and what I'm just saying, for me, it's being sexually unfaithful. Well, I wouldn't have sex with anybody else. No, you don't have to have sex with somebody else to be unfaithful. You know what faithful is? You can always be dependent on, you always show up. If you're a faithful employee, you always show up at work all the time, every time. You're considered a faithful employee. You show up when you feel like it or once in a while. You are not a faithful employee. You're an unfaithful employee and you'll get fired. You think you get married and I'll say, no, I'm not going to do this anymore because I don't want to do it anymore. You're being sexually unfaithful to that person. What miserable work, he writes, has been made in the lives of families by a husband or a wife pretending to be too holy. It says here, he writes, he says, her body belongs to her husband. Her husband's body belongs to her. Neither of them has any authority to refuse what the other has a matrimonial right to. The woman that would act so is either knave or a fool. It would be, a, be trifling to attribute her contact to, conduct to any other cause than weakness or folly. It is clear that the woman who refuses sex to her husband and vice versa does not love her husband or she loves someone else other than her husband or she makes pretensions to be holy or some phony sanctity unsupported by scripture or common sense. And boy, is that true. A lot of these people, oh, they're so holy, these people. So spiritual, these people. Oh, you know, they love Jesus so much. And acting in this way, it is intolerable. It is wrong. The Bible's absolutely clear about this. That's why I say to you, you're a single person. You're not interested or barely interested in sex. Just stay single. It's fine. The Apostle Paul says that's what you really ought to do anyway. 
marry someone and do this to them is absolutely wrong. It's against the scripture. You're being sexually unfaithful, and this is just intolerable. The point of today's message is you're supposed to be doing this. <laughs> you're supposed to be doing it, and you do it on purpose, intentionally. Now, the question comes, yeah, well, pastor, what if he's way more interested than I am, or I'm more interested than he is? What? That we're going to talk about next week. All right? We're going to talk about these differences, because there are differences. I don't have a problem with navigating the differences. That's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about people who just, no, I'm not going to do it. That is wrong. It should not be happening. And if you've got problems like that, you need to come talk to us. We're going to have a come to Jesus meeting with somebody. Because this is wrong. It is improper. God never intended that. I don't know what people think when they're getting married. And by the way, and I will say this to ladies. For, you know, again, it goes, I get more complaints against the men. But even with the women, they're so busy. Oh, I'm so tired. Oh, go away, go away, go away. You need to understand something, ladies. The world is filled with women who want what you have. Are you listening to me? They see your husband. They see your children. They see your house, your car, your standard of living. They want what you have. And you keep it up, she's going to get it. All right? Because they'll do whatever they got to do to get it. They don't have a problem. You say, well, that shouldn't be. Really, what shouldn't be is this situation in the first place. You're supposed to be sexually active with each other. And if you think you're so cute and so pretty that he'd never leave you, reality check. It's amazing how many times a man will leave a drop-dead gorgeous wife and marry a very plain wife. We've all seen it. I say, wow, why did you do that? Gee, I wonder why. Because <laughs> Miss Fairy Princess over here was also the Ice Princess from Frozen. <laughs> was that Anna? Which one was she? <laughs> was it Elsa? Elsa. Elsa was on the freezer, but we got a few Elsas, man. Everything, ah, they turn to ice. I don't care how pretty Elsa is. I'd rather marry Olaf. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, that's wrong. That's just wrong. That's just wrong. I repent. All right. All right, so part three next week. Stick around. All right. We're going to leave you hanging. Next week, what do we do with this? How do we do? How do we fix this swinging thing that people struggle with. We're going to talk about that. And let me close by this. Encourage you guys. Come to the Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage conference. We talk about it this weekend. Come. Even if you're single, come and learn. We get into it more detail than we can on a Sunday morning. Uh, and it just helps you to understand the world of men and women better. So if you haven't ever been to one, come to one. If you know someone who should come, buy them tickets and bring them with you. You know, seriously, be nice to people. You know someone who doesn't have much money? Buy their tickets for them. Be nice to people. Reach out and be kind and stuff. I will say this as we close in prayer now. <clears throat> there is no more miserable station in life to be in a marriage that is hell. A lot of you have gone through this. You know what I'm talking about. It is the worst thing. You wouldn't wish that on anybody. Some of you have lived through these hellish situations. 
A lot of you are Christian. You never had a pastor you could go to or a church that would go to and say, you know, we need to confront him because he's doing this to me or refusing me or he's, again, five to one, the men. Doesn't pay attention to a girl, never wants to have sex with a girl. You come to us, we confront this stuff. We're not playing this game. But it's very painful for people. We need to pray that people get in a good place so they can enjoy the blessings God has for them and not live in a very painful situation. If you're in a painful situation, let us help you try and fix it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your kindness and your grace. Thank you for a wonderful group of people that I can speak to clearly about these things. Thank you for the instruction of your word. Help us to follow the instruction of your word. And Lord, for those couples who are struggling in this or other areas, Lord, there's fewer more miserable situations than a bad, bad marriage. Lord, let them know there's hope for them. There's answers for them. There's scriptural answers. There's great practical advice we can share with them. Uh, And let them know that they are loved and that they can come safely to us to minister to them. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. amen. Part three next Sunday.